and we're going to be live in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast 2022 first show of the year. And folks, it's a good one. First and foremost, it's actually sponsored. That's right. This show is sponsored by Everyday Boost Cold Press Juice. If you're looking for an immunity boost, just want to feel better, get your fruits and vegetables in, your vitamins in, got to check out everydayboost.org. Check them out on Instagram. It's a, a, an amazing product. Highly recommend. Uh, go check them out. Thank you for your sponsorship. And I got to tell you, folks, we got a really special uh, guest, um, somebody who I've known for, I guess, six or seven years now. Uh, I consider what he does to be art, um, and I want to talk to him about that and some other things. So please, without any further ado, uh, here's the right button. Please welcome to the show, Sports Coach. Hey, Sports Coach, how are you? Wow, listen to those fans, man. They're going wild. Yeah, we we gotten around all the COVID restrictions, and I'm looking at a full audience of people that are ready to hear all about you. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, yeah, well, thanks for having me so much, man. And uh, shout out to Everyday Boost for sponsoring this episode. That's gnarly. That's super cool. Yeah, it was really, really generous of them. We're excited about it. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend it again. So we're going to play a game that's called 20 Questions. And the easy part about 20 Questions is that is it, it always starts in the exact same place, and that's with question number one. Question number one for you, what are your thoughts on interdimensional beings? Oh, wow. Um, wow, super cool question. I actually love that kind of stuff. Like I love esoteric thought and high strangeness and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. it actually, most of what I like read about in my free time and a oh, train's going by right now. I don't know if you can hear it pretty loud, pretty cool, but yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Nice. But anyway, I think that uh, interdimensional beings are, they're out there, they're hanging around, they're going in our dimension, other dimensions, all sorts of different ways. You know, there's a really cool show on um, Discovery Channel of all things right now about Skinwalker Ranch. I think they've done like two or three seasons, but they actually are like doing a lot of studies out there on this crazy ranch in Utah, like mm-hmm. applying real science to these kind of like interdimensional theories and whatnot. And they're getting really, really interesting results. So anyone out there who's, who's a doubt, doubting it, you get definitely, you know, check out, check out that show and a few yeah. other things. But, I think they're pretty cool, man. I'd love to meet one. Love to meet one. Yeah, you know what? You probably already have. Right? Maybe. You, know, you probably already have. And that I'll tell you what, that Skinwalker Ranch, that place is a trip. It really is terrifying. Um, I mean, because a lot of the accounts, there's – I always look at, like, what's the motive for somebody to make up a story? And, and some of these people, they just had nothing but illness and, and, and you know, bad things happen. So there's really no benefit – to being the tip of the spear when it comes to, you know, talking about stuff like that. And think about all the things that are possible out there in the solar system. Like the thought that it's, then you could say, how could it be impossible that there aren't, you know, other dimensional beings out there. And I bet they're all around us all the time. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's a crazy universe out there. And when you really look through history and, you see all these wild accounts, you know, coming from people from all times, generations going back, you know, tens of thousands of years. It's like, 
these weird things have been happening to humanity for, you know, such a long time that it's pretty hard to just think, you know, every, every single story out there is completely made up or everybody's insane. But, but yeah, there's all, all types of really cool theories about all these things. And I love to always hear like what people have to think. So I'm always trying to like find new documentaries and read new books and just like, yeah, I love all that trippy stuff. You know, you can't believe all of it, that's for sure. But uh, it's cool to learn a lot of it. Then you can pick and choose what you think is true and false. But Yep, 100%. I love that. Question number two. How would you describe your music to someone who has never heard it before? Oh, man. Yeah, this is a question that I've definitely, definitely heard a bunch of times. And I honestly don't, I don't even know, like, um... Uh, I'm trying to think this one person told me something that they thought that I mm-hmm. thought was a cool thing a while ago. And it was like, they were like, yo, I think your music sounds like it's like new wave from the year, like 2058. Yeah. Something like that where I almost feel like it's, um, at, on one hand, it's kind of like got this nostalgic sound. And when I describe it to like complete random people, I'll, I'll usually use like an eighties, you know, kind of vibe. But in reality, I think that it's, it's really just, hard to describe like not even saying it's like you know special or this or that but just that it's just very difficult to describe it to people so at this point i'm almost like done trying i'm just like you know you can listen to it and just decide for yourself whether you like it or don't like it or whether you think it's like sounds new or old or whatever i just like too difficult you know yeah you know it's say indie you know indie or something right (laughs) right it's the audio version of dadaism it is whatever you want it to be and uh, I, I think that the – I like the uh, ex- example you gave or the description you gave. I think that's pretty close to what I was feeling too because I was hearing like a little bit of everything. I was hearing, you know, some some pavement. I was hearing some talking heads. I was hearing some Devo. It was like – it was – it was. Kind of, but then at the same time, it felt like it was way ahead of its time, almost like Radiohead-ish. I don't even know if that's a, a good way to describe it or not. But I, I was be, I was taken a lot of different places when I was listening to it, so – it's really cool, and I think the the moral of the story is go listen to it, folks, and, and make your own determination of what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's the best way to approach everything is always just, like, check it out for yourself and, you know, kind of, you know, make sure it makes sense to you. And then yeah. once it does, you know, analyze how you feel about it, you know. So you always got to check it out for yourself. But, yeah, I mean, I can't say it's for everyone, though. I don't think everyone that would listen to it would, would like it, per se. Yep. No, I, I totally uh, – but that's the same with anything, right? So uh, next question. So I think one of the coolest parts about, you know, uh, your music are, are the videos that accompany the music. And I, I think it's a large part of – I mean, and, and maybe I'm overthinking it, and, I, and you can tell me because you'd, you'd know. But I feel like some of the uh, songs – the, the visual that go that goes along with the song kind of really hits kind of the, the theme and the feeling and, and the emotion uh, that's coming through in the song. And I think that there's a couple of examples that really, you know, that really got me. But I guess my question is, um, do you edit all your own videos? Um, no, so not all of them. Like, there's a bunch that I, I have done that, are most of the older ones that I think are on my, my YouTube and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and some of those flipped up on like iMovie with like a lot of footage from um, like this website, archive.org and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, a bunch of them are also done by this uh, guy from the LA area 
that used to go by Blanco Pages, and a lot of the videos are out when he was using that name, but now he makes videos under the name Lamarck. And he did a bunch of my music videos, like pretty much all the ones that are actually like well done. Yep. And so I'm not sure which ones you're referring to, but yeah, it's kind of like a, a mixed batch for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I actually, the one that, um, that I, that I really liked, well, I liked all of them, but patience, that one was like really interesting because you're, you're showing these images of these women working out and doing aqua aerobics. And then this one very serious woman who's obviously like part of some like, you know, club or tape that was used for fitness and she's saying and it's like that the old vhs vcr like track i think actually at the beginning of the video it even says like you might have to track this or something like that and then it feels so authentically 1984 and i'm like an 80s kid so it it really was like so authentic and at the same time was it's a great tune and then with the visual it's just like whoa this is really this is really cool i just i really dug it a lot Oh, that's rad. Yeah, that one is actually, like, one of my favorites, too. Um, and the funny thing about it is that that one was made by this guy who, I forget his last name. His first name's Austin. Um, I'm, like, 90% sure. But he was this guy who, like, every now and again, someone will always be like, hey, you know, I, I made a video for one of your songs. Like, we, like, you can check it out, whatever. Or they'll ask if it's cool if they can use a song. And I'm always like, yeah, for sure, because I love it when people do that. And I love seeing what people make with my music. And, and that guy was just one of those cases where one day he just sent me an email. He was like, hey, you know, I made a video for your song, Patience. Like, I put it on YouTube. Like, here's the link. And no I just watched way. it. Yeah, and I was like, this is unreal. Like, this is an incredible video. And um, I think he made it when he was maybe going to school for, like, film and or that kind of wavelength of stuff. And I think he was trying to get it premiered on, like, this pretty – pretty well-known youtube channel as well but i don't think he had any luck with it but i always remember being like this is an incredible video and i can't believe someone just made this and just sent it to me like like couldn't have nailed like hit the nail on the head any better like totally the vibe the aesthetic and it's cool too because when it comes to videos i'm really bad at coming up with stuff like it's really not something I'm, I'm not creative in that kind of field so when someone sends me something like that i'm like i could have never thought of that like People, yeah, doing, like, 1980s aerobics, you know, and the, like, videos moving around the screen in all these different strange ways. And, yeah, that guy just really nailed it. So I, he's doing well now. Like, he definitely was able to follow that film career to a really high potential. Because I, I follow him on Instagram. But oh, that's cool. Remember, but, yeah, shout out to him for sure. So did he also do Pony? Uh, Pony, I actually did that one. Yeah, That was cool, one, too. Thanks. Yeah, I put together um, all these clips of this like ad for I think it was Pepsi or a sneaker or something in there. But um, yeah, I, I put that together for Pony, and I always like really loved that that song. So I wanted to make a video for it. Coincidentally, I think it's one of my like worst performing songs potentially ever, but it is one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Um... So, next question. Have you noticed recently how Pat Sajak has gotten, like, a totally terrible attitude with the contestants on The Wheel of Fortune? Oh, man. I actually, to be honest, I haven't, just because I don't know if I've ever watched a full episode of The Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> well, there you go. I left, yeah, it was just something I never, I know that it was one of those things that was always on, but I just never ended up watching it for some reason. 
No, that's that's fine. Um, next question: uh, What is your favorite fruit? Oh man, I mean that's a tough question overall. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is probably kiwi. I, I really like kiwi. Mm. Um, I think it's really good. It's got this really good vitamin, vitamin K, that it has in like an incredible amount. And one thing I, I've had in my life a lot is um, like cankers. I'll get like canker sores when I get stressed out and sure. stuff. And kiwi is crazy because if you just eat a kiwi, if you have really bad cankers, like it'll just completely like just help them. It'll heal, you know, like eat a kiwi a day when you have cankers and they'll be healed in like two days. Like it's like a miracle fruit. So that's why I love it is because it's actually really helped me in the past. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, Next question. So I can tell from your videos, pretty obvious that you play clearly the piano and you also play the guitar. Um, and you might've maybe even been playing the drums and ones, but I, I forget what other instruments do you play besides the guitar and the piano? Um, well, it, it's weird. Cause I, I really would say to any like musician that I really actually only play the drums because, uh, Oh no way. I yeah, like I, I went to um to college. I only went to college for a year, but I went for jazz drums at the school in New York. Oh, and it cool. was like a really like, you know, like it was like my passion for probably all through middle school and high school. I just like was really obsessive about playing drums. I practiced drums hours a day. Jazz was like my, my specialty. Um, and I was super into drums. And anyway, that was the only instrument I really learned how to play, like, you know, read the music learn all the technique and whatnot and then when it came to guitar and, and keyboards like those I, I just totally mess around on so like to this day my concept of music theory is really really like subpar like i'm sure there's many many like elementary school children that know much more about music theory than i do mm -hmm. and like i just kind of like noodle around and kind of just do things that sound good to me like i do everything just by ear so yeah. That's one of the reasons that I've always kind of been a solo musician is that I'm not really good at working with other people because I don't even know, like, you know, how to play an F chord on the guitar or how to play, like, you know, a B flat scale on the keyboard. Right. So I kind of just do everything just by ear. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I think in a way it, it makes you approach music differently. So it gives you a different concept to say, like, songwriting for songwriting for instance but at the same time it definitely has its drawbacks because if you know music theory well you can really create some great ideas like right. without that much effort so yeah i mean in reality like i i just mess around on my keyboard and guitar and bass but um i really only know how to play drums and i you saying that i haven't played drums now in like probably four years so i might not even know how to do that anymore but <laughs> someday we'll see that's cool. Well, isn't that interesting? I was totally off the mark there, and that is a that's cool, and I, and I like that approach. And I think that that's the way you know musical instruments should be viewed. It's like you know if you can pick up a drum and make a sound that you like, you know, with a bongo drum or whatever. You know, you know. Speaking of musical instruments, um, do you feel like the triangle kind of gets a bad rap? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Uh, it's definitely. You know, I don't think it's so easy to play. Like if you're if you're playing the triangle as like a percussionist yeah. in like a symphony or an orchestra, like, you know, your part is very much like it's significant, you know, and, and there's gonna be little technicalities to it. You gotta know 
how hard to hit the triangle, what spot to hit it in. Right. You know, like it, it, it's definitely got to be, it's got to be something that's precise. So I think the, uh, you know, the devil's in the details. You really right. got to know your triangle. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And you think about, you just, yeah, that's right. Cause like in the, at the Boston pops or the Boston symphony orchestra, or the New York orchestra or whatever, it's like, there's a dude or a dudette. There's somebody that's holding a triangle and hitting it when they're supposed to. So there has to be like a first seat triangle, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, typically <laughs> in the percussion sections, like the different instruments will be like divvied up by, you know, what you do. Like if you play the triangle part, then you're probably also playing like the snare drum part and maybe something else, maybe the bass drum part. But okay. whoever's playing triangle is going to be also doing like other jobs as well. So to them, it's just like a little piece of the puzzle there. So they got to they gotta have a pretty wide knowledge scale in, in some facets. Yeah, no, absolutely. I dig that. That's cool. Um, all right. So here's a, a very uh, standard, uh, ubiquitous uh, deserted island question. Okay. So you're on the special deserted island. There's no predators of any kind. So you're totally safe. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and, uh, you could have one TV show, one book, one album, and then one soda. Oh man. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, that's cool though. I like that. It's just one of those things where it's tough, but all right. Desert Island, one TV show. I would probably go with, I would honestly probably go with Frasier. Um, I love, I love the show Frasier for anyone who doesn't know. It's like a, you know, 90s sitcom with uh, Dr. Frasier Crane, his brother Niles. They got Daphne. They got his dad. Yeah. And it's, it's just a homey show. Like I've been watching it on and off for like years and, it's like like pretty witty and clever, which I dig in the humor. It's not like super blunt. And then on top of that, like it's just pretty, you know, creative and clever in most of its writing. Yeah. So I dig Frasier. I, I probably watch it because it always, you know, puts you in a really relaxed mood. Like it's Seattle, it's raining. It's like, you know, cozy inside. And even it's kind of got this like. Even like the theme oh, song was totally like mellow. It's like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, it's like really, it's like lounge, like cocktail jazz, you know. <laughs> so it, it's sick. I would probably go with that because it probably makes me feel better, you know, about my predicament. Um, yeah, and then the good. next one was one, one that was a TV show, and then what was the next oh, one? One book. One book. Oh, that's super tough. I know. Um, that's hard because I, I definitely love to read, and I like to read all different things. Like, uh, I like, I think fiction is like, you know, probably my easiest thing to read. Like I'll just like whip through a fiction book, yeah. but then I kind of feel like I'm like wasting my time because it's kind of like watching a TV show. Right. In right. Some way. Um, but so that's just, oh, man, so hard because it's like one book. Ugh. Huh. <laughs> I want to say my instinct tells me I'd, I'd be down with taking the Hobbit, you know, mm-hmm. the Hobbit is the first big like fiction book I read. And I always remember as a kid, like just loving reading the Hobbit and like kind of being immersed in that super detailed world. Um, so I'd probably go with that one. Cause it's, it's a good long, you know, good read and it's got a lot of detail to it. So it'd probably be pretty cool. Yeah. But looking back, I'll probably actually be like, Oh no, there's like a, a different one. I probably wanted to go with, but no sweat. And then the next one was no album, right? Um, or one album. Yeah. That, yeah. That, 
that's super easy for me. Okay. It would be the album Surround by Hiroshi Yoshimura. Ooh. That album is like, I mean, it's like, to me, it's like the best thing that was ever made. It's an incredible piece of work. It's this ambient album that was made by this Japanese uh, producer, ambient musician in like the 1980s. And the craziest thing about it is the album was made as just to be the background music in, in these model homes. So in Japan in the 80s, they were like super in to paying national musicians to like make music for pretty much anything. And they were really like, you know, in America, like they'll chase, just take like you know songs yeah. out of like a basket for ad purposes but in japan they were really into like no like let's ask real artists to make like real music for these advertisement purposes and anyway mm. he was one of these guys where this architecture firm like made a bunch of model homes and they were like you know what would be great is let's have an album playing when people walk in these homes that just sets the whole mood for like the house experience oh that is so cool so yeah, so they had him produce this album that came out to be called Surround. And to me, it's just like an amazing album. It's like immersive. It's about 45 minutes long. Every song flows together in like the seamless way. They're all ambient. There's no vocals. There's no drums. And the song kind of has this overall, like the whole album has this water quality to it. Like it, it really kind of just sounds like a, a water album. Um, but that would be the one because it's just so, so calming, relaxing, you know, introspective. It's, it's just like, it's just like a meditation, really. That is really cool. I am definitely going to check that out. What a great description. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a gem. And he's one of these guys, too, that produced a ton of really, really good music and albums. I don't love all of his discography, but most of it I really like. And no one knew him in his time, like at all. Like he, he ended up dying in his sixties, I think from skin cancer, unfortunately, um, in maybe 2006, but he produced this whole catalog of work that never got too much recognition. Mm -hmm. But recently the last say decade or so people have put it on YouTube and on YouTube his music is just blown up. And now like, like that surround album I was talking about, like you can't get, and all of that for like less than eight hundred dollars now, you really? know, a thousand for one of his records. Yeah, because wow. just no, he's he's just like this big deal now. Um, and basically just from YouTube, people are like, it just spread his music to a wider audience. That is so. so he's cool. not he's not on Spotify or anything. Like Japan has a lot of weird like distribution problems with sure. like the U.S. So their music is just not as readily available. Huh. Isn't that interesting? In a, in a world where everything is readily available, Japanese music isn't available. That's, yeah, that's, that's the wild. thing. Yeah, YouTube is really the haven. I, I love Japanese music, especially from the 80s. Yep. Uh, the ambient side, but then also the city pop side. It's a big influence on my own music. So oh, that's cool. YouTube would get all that, yeah. <clears throat> and last but not least, one soda. Soda, man. <laughs> to be real, I, I stopped drinking soda a couple years ago. Good for um, you. But the one that I was always, like, basically addicted to um, as a kid was always Mountain Dew. Like, I loved Mountain Dew. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a song called Baja Blast Off, and that's, you know, uh, it kind of an ode to Mountain Dew's Baja Blast flavor, which was, you know, one of the... <laughs> Oh my goodness! I'm I'm trying to picture the bottle. I can see it. 
Yeah, you know, it's like that teal color. Um, yeah, super tropical. Like, I think Taco Bell always had it. They, like, always had Baja oh Blast. Oh, my God. Good decision not drinking that stuff. Can you imagine what they're uh, doing to make that color? Yeah, I know that, like, Yellow 5 is big in there. And I remember people telling me, like, you know, like, Yellow 5, like, you know, causes cancer and all this stuff. And I'd be like, what? Like, what do you mean, like, Mountain Dew? Like, it shouldn't. It does. <laughs> Oh, God, that is funny. All right, Mountain Dew it is. All right, so you brought up um, Frasier, which is an amazing show, spinoff of Cheers, very well written. I agree with everything you said. And just like most of the comedies back then, uh, Frasier had a laugh track. And the laugh track was something that was absolutely the norm. I Love Lucy all the way through every comedy up until, you know, really the early 2000s had a laugh track and even Seinfeld, you know, had a laugh track. Um, yeah. But, but then it stopped and it, now it's still out there like a, you know, a big bang theory, like they had a laugh track and other shows do, but then other shows don't, you know, like the whole genre of like the office and parks and rec. And so I guess my question for you is what are your feelings on laugh tracks and does, a, a comedy with a laugh track that's made today, you have to give Frasier an exemption, same with Cheers and all those, because that's how you did it. But if you make a comedy with a laugh track now, do you think that kind of instantly uh, dismisses the intelligence of the audience? That's interesting. And in a way, I think it all depends like what the audience is thinking. Cause I think having watched both types of shows, I've had instances where I've like, been watching one of those kind of live studio audience so-called environments and you're kind of like you know like these people are like you know just acting and the audience makes it you know so apparent that it almost makes you you know think about how they're just actors more which in a way for me kind of ruins like the the essence of the show Mm -hmm. so i almost think that i do prefer the style of the more modern day shows like the office and parks and rec and whatnot because it it really does like yeah it's a little bit more engaging for the audience i think but at the same time i think those shows have their flaws being kind of that documentary style because even one thing i always didn't like about parks and rec was how they always made it like a documentary like they have these cut scene like interviews every episode but they never explain why they were filming it like that what this random documentary is for right like and that which is you know a massive plot hole and that always kind of irritated me because that made kind of makes the audience feel stupid in a way like the whole show is filmed with these cutscene interviews but they never explain like why it was done like that like right i i don't know i always didn't like that either but the office at least they do that but at the same time i was always like you know it's so far-fetched um to have that much happen and it's all for one one little one little documentary like I, I'm big into plot holes. Like if I'm watching something, I'll usually like point out things I think like didn't add up. Yeah, King of the Hill, another one I, I watched recently. Not the same style, but also like great show, but like filled with so many plot holes and loose ends. And you're like, man, I just wish that, you know they would like you know definitely recognize our our intelligence. Yes, but at the same time, I think they never expected the shows to be streamed. Right, and when you the shows it's a lot easier to pick up on things like that because you're just like back to back watching it that's a good point that's a good point so here's a uh if you if you like old stuff and and you like you know kind of that 
era of TV, even going back a little bit further, and it's not a comedy, but it's funny for different reasons. Go back and watch The Six Million Dollar Man. Um, Steve Austin was an astronaut who got into this terrible accident, and they, like, rebuilt him with cyborg parts, and (laughs) they called it The Six Million Dollar Man. And back then, you know, $6 million was a lot of money. Today, $6 million, you know, wouldn't get you, like, you know, a drone. Um, you know, so, yeah. it's, so it's like never mind a, a guy, a cyborg. But anyways, go back and watch that and guaranteed humor for sure. Um, next question. What is your favorite meal to cook at home? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, we like right now, the last two years, me and my girlfriend have been living in this like big built out sprinter van. Mm-hmm. So oh, cool. our cooking capacity is a little bit limited we just have like a two burner stove so we mostly just make like meals in the cast iron um and i don't know like out of so out of all those i think i would probably go with some tacos honestly Mm -hmm. just like love love making some tacos like they're easy to make they're super quick and ever since i was a little kid i just think they're delicious and like I like, you know, authentic tacos as well. We got plenty of those on the West Coast. But when I make them at home, you know, I like the Ortega sauce. That's you know, it. The classic, classic grocery store vibe. Yeah, the uh, and in, you had to be really careful when you were baking the shells because they would sometimes get too close together. And then when you're trying to put the meat in there, very high probability of there being a, a breakage situation. Oh, nice. Yeah. We... We usually use the uh, like tortillas, but I miss the hard shell, man. Like for real, when I was a kid, those were those were the vibe. You know, it's basically like a nacho, a nacho as a taco. Because when you get like real tacos, like they're never ever hard shell, like always on tortillas, and usually you know small little corn tortillas. So like the hard shell tacos are really like they're like the OG for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, all right. So, what are your thoughts? on the fourth dentist that does not recommend sugar-free gum to his patients? The fourth dentist that does not recommend sugar-free gum to his patients. Yeah, what are your feelings <laughs> about that guy? Um, I got to think about it. Like, he, let's see, what, what do I think about this guy? I mean, first off, I'm not a big fan of dentists. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I have hardly ever been to a dentist. Like when I was a kid, my parents would make me get my teeth cleaned and whatnot. But like now I, I never go to the dentist because I always thought it wasn't, it wasn't a good deal. You know, they always wanted to do so much invasive stuff. And then recently I, I heard of some research that had been done that showed that things like removing our wisdom teeth and removing our tonsils and doing all this stuff was actually like over time creating all these problems in our evolution and now people because of all these invasive techniques are being born with you know jaw lines that are too small like teeth that aren't like when people's teeth are super out of place it's because your jaw is too small and your jaw is too small because you're not breathing correctly and because you're not chewing enough two things that humans used to be a lot better at is breathing and chewing food because food was a lot more like raw. So you would have to really, really get in there with your molars and chew a lot. And it would basically like expand your jaw and just yeah. make make everything easier and, and flow better. But um, these days, our, I think our modern dental system has right. it doing all kinds of 
stuff that are actually like over time creating more problems for us. So that's really interesting. Got, yeah, if you got if you got a serious problem, you know, you're having some serious pain, then yeah, the dentist can get in there and help you. But yep. at the same time, like going regularly, like seeing as many as four dentists over something, I would probably I would probably say you got to find a better way to manage your teeth. You know, yeah. I, I always I recommend charcoal toothpaste. Charcoal toothpaste, man, makes your mouth feel so unbelievably fresh and your teeth will get so white. It's it's the best. I'm going to check that out. And I think the most surprising thing about everything you just said is that Americans are somehow not good at eating food because you would think that would be the one thing that like if 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 you could say what are all Americans good at is eating too much food. But it sounds like we don't know how to chew properly. Uh, yeah, I would. I would say Americans aren't good at eating food, but they're good at inhaling food. Okay, that's a better way to yeah. Con, that's right. Consumption. That's yeah. I should have been more <laughs> clear. That's a good point. Um, another one of your songs that I really liked, um, and, and it was a cool video. Was "Hope You're Stoked." It was a live version, and and at first, the first few times I watched it, I was just like, "Oh, that's really cool." And then I started thinking about like, "All right, you know, is he like an improv type?" <laughs> musician that he just kind of like wings it or or is it something where he's like putting some thought into the lyrics and then I started really paying attention to what you were saying and I'm wondering is that a breakup song or is that a party song or is it both oh interesting yeah well I mean that for one thing it, it's such a it's an old song so it's hard for me to like really get back in the headspace I had at that time because gotcha. I mean I feel I'm like 27 now, and I feel like oh, another train. Beautiful. But I feel like when I when I wrote that song, I was probably like I want to say like 20, you know, maybe 21, something like that. So wow. I was definitely you know a lot younger, more kind of immature. Because I think now I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't write a song with as like direct type of lyrics per se. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, I think the song. Most of my songs are not about anything. Like I. I kind of just like subconsciously write the lyrics. Yeah. Um, just, they kind of just come to me and then later on they'll make more sense. But in that song, I think it was one of those songs where like, you know, you like, like someone and they don't really like you and like, you know, that kind of whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And totally. A little bummed, but you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, which, yeah, like I said, now these days I would probably never write as relatable a song. Um, <laughs> right. I would, yeah, I mean, I think that's the stuff that, that people really like, though. They like it when it, it really is relatable in a sense. But sure. yeah, now I just don't have it in me as much. But it was like one of those tunes, and I think it it could be, you know, a, a party song or a, a breakup sad song, just because that's the kind of the line I like to walk with my music, is I really like to make music that fits right in that middle zone of, like, you don't really know how to feel about it. Like, it could... It could make you happy and excited on one end, or it could make you feel like sad and nostalgic on the other end. Like, I think that's a really unique place to try to make your music, you know, fit into. Yeah. And when I listen to music, like a lot of my favorite artists throughout history, like, you know, have that kind of that wavelength where, you know, you could take it multiple different ways, how you want to feel about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I dig that. I appreciate that. Um, hey, what is your favorite decade? Oh man, it's tough. I've only been in so few of them. Um, but <laughs> my, my one, I feel like it would probably be like oh. the, the, the vibe of the eighties. Like I liked the, 
the clothes. I know a lot of people that were actually there yeah. were, you know, like, oh, what were we thinking? What were we doing? But I personally think that people were really on like a cool wavelength. Like a lot of people were being individuals. They were being kind of like loud. They were really expressing themselves um, in kind of an artistic type of way. And I, you can't say that about all, you know, factions of society at that time. But I think the 80s for music and fashion was a pretty, a pretty cool place to be. Um, yeah, for sure. I'd probably say that one, like. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, look, like I said, I was an 80s kid, so I, I agree with that. I mean, it it didn't really matter if you were the preppy, the punk, the jock, the whatever. It's like there there was a, a look that everyone kind of just accepted. So I, I think that part of that is true. It's like it's almost like just it, everything was in some ways louder. You know, the, the hair was louder. The music was louder. The clothes were louder. And, and that's a part of expression right just you know putting it out there so i think you're absolutely right so i dig the 80s too and i I really like any time before like technology to the point where i think pre-mobile phones is such a magical time because it'll never be like that again yeah exactly um unless we all at some point lose electricity (laughs) but (laughs) that's more than likely won't happen but it's simple as that if it did but the thing is though is with the yeah that time period like i agree i think that in that time period like obviously can't vouch for it personally but it seemed like people were overall maybe a little bit more relaxed like a little bit more less involved about you know what the the world thought of them as a whole they were more just trying to express themselves as individuals you know maybe because right you're on less a biggest stage you know these days if you think about kids like they're growing up with like Instagram and Facebook and, and all these, these places where they're kind of putting themselves on a stage in front of other people and they have to work, you know, extra about what these other people are going to think about them. And I think that's why these days, you know, you see a lot less, you know, individuals out there in the world, be it of any generation. Um, I've like, you know, worked a lot of jobs the last couple of years where I've like interacted with the youth, um, you know, if people in schools and what have you and in these environments, I noticed, you know, there's a lot less individuality. A lot of people all dress the same. They all act the same, listen to the same kind of music, you know, and, and kids are like that. They follow trends. But I think in a time like the eighties, you know, pre all this technology, people were a little bit more like, like you said, you had the, the, the goths and the jocks and like the punks and like to the day, like you still have these groups today, but I think they're just not as, amplified i think these days people are a little bit more toned down a little bit more reserved and a little bit more concerned with how you know the masses view them as a whole oh a hundred percent true yeah absolutely a hundred percent true no doubt about that all right we are down to the final two questions uh so here's the second to last question so um what are your thoughts on the concept uh, that everything that is flavored pumpkin spice should be banned? <laughs> oh man, I uh, <laughs> that's super funny. Yeah, I think uh, I think a few things about it. I think on one hand, I'm not I'm not down with banning anything. Like if people out there want okay. some pumpkin, it's whatever. Yep. let them have it. You know, it's kind of like we shouldn't have everything be flavored pumpkin spice and we shouldn't have in 
such an influx of these things come the fall season. Right. But at the same time, I think that there's always going to be someone out there who likes pumpkin spice. I've had some pumpkin spice things that I thought were pretty good. Okay. And and then the second thought is if if someone's so concerned about, you know, like other people liking pumpkin spice to the point where they want to ban it as a whole, that's that's a problem. You know, that's <laughs> That's, that's too much control. You know, you got to relax because that's a little bit too much like a dictator. Yeah. We, we all got to have limits and boundaries, you know, but if you don't want pumpkin spice, you don't have to have it. That's for sure. I mean. See, isn't that interesting? So excellent answer. And you could take that same logic and really apply it to so many different things. You know what I mean? Like, um, obviously there's, you know, uh, even though it's come so far, I mean, when I was in high school, if you were, you know, a homosexual, you did not come out you didn't talk about it It wasn't and now it's like completely accepted and completely fine as it should be um you know and it's like it's 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 really i think a testament to you know what can happen oh yeah i mean tolerance is key you know if you uh if you look at you know any teaching in the past whether they be religious or philosophical you know all through time all the great prophets and sages and whatever you want to call them have always said, you know, you got to respect everybody else. You got to respect what they want to do. You got to respect everybody's wishes, everybody's boundaries. And, you know, unfortunately in this world and fortunately you have to like allow and be tolerant, you know? And I think that if we, you know, as a whole, if everybody was more tolerant, then I think we'd have so many more problems because so many problems are caused, you know, by the friction and the tension that happens when we divide each other, you know, and we all get all judgy to the point where, like, you know, now we want to ban pumpkin spice. Like, <laughs> exactly. it's unhealthy. Unhealthy, you know. Exactly. The, your, your energy is too valuable to put into something as, like, petty as what other people might like as a flavor, you know. So, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. It, I agree. Long live pumpkin spice, man. Absolutely. Long live yeah, all for, of it. Any Any flavor you want. Yeah, whatever you want, whatever spice you're into, you know. That's it. Pumpkin, squash, rhubarb, it's all the same. Rhubarb. Rhubarb pie is is the real. All right, so we are down to the final question. First, before I get there, I want to say thank you very much for being on the show. And if people want to learn more about your music, your video, your art, anything to do with sports coach, where's the best place for them to go? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, it would probably be a website, but that is something I'm definitely never going to pay for. So probably if you have Spotify, you know, sports coach on Spotify, you, you know, has the stuff and that has a link to my Instagram and my Facebook, which I'll probably never use again. So any of those, but probably really just Instagram. So that's the only place where I'll occasionally post like updates and whatnot, but I'm pretty relaxed when it comes to the whole like social media, uh, platforms so i'm not good at plugging myself that's for sure yep no hey that's all right that was that's more than i expected so i appreciate the the plug you just gave everyone go check out uh, like i said i went and checked out his uh youtube page um patience i I think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of depth there i would recommend you guys go checking that out and again thank you so much if you could see what was happening uh in the studio audience here sports coach you wouldn't believe it there are people that are doing the wave. They've got big, huge flags that say, you know, we love sports coach. So uh, you won the crowd over just like that. 
That's unreal. I mean, they were cheering at the beginning, so I figured they were with me the whole time. But <laughs> if there was a turn in there, I hope I want them back. You did. Hey, thanks again for being on the show, and I hope you have an outstanding week. Oh, thank you, man. It's definitely, I think it'll be a good week. I think it'll be a good one. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks so much, man. See ya.